grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're continuing to roll along in a sermon series where we're taking a look at the book of Psalms, that poetic book of the Bible alongside Proverbs and a couple of others, uh, but Psalms kind of the most famous one. We're actually going through some of the more well-known Psalms, uh, and today our main Psalm that we're focus, focusing on is Psalm 46, one of my personal favorites. Uh, so getting the chance to preach on that, um, it's joyful, but it's also a bit challenging. I'll talk about that more in a minute. I do want to say a special welcome to those of you watching online. I realize that there are those who have been watching along with us the entire service, and then those who just watch the sermon portion. So if the latter is you, welcome. Uh, before we go into today's message, let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today, for this chance that we can worship you, this chance we can be present with you, and I pray that we are present. Help us to be here, not thinking about the to-do list, not thinking about where we're going to lunch after this, but instead to just be present with you. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message, and Lord, let there be no doubt that it is your message. Move me out of the way. I submit myself to you, and I pray who all, that all who hear this would be willing and able to do the same. Lord, let your spirit be known. In your name we pray, amen. Now, as I said, when it comes to our online viewers, uh, we do take that section of just the sermon and we break that apart, put that on YouTube, uh, and we can put that out there. We also have the, uh, we have it in, in terms of podcasts, if you just want to listen to the audio, but given the fact that some will just listen to the sermon, I'm going to read Psalm 46 again. If you've already just heard it just moments ago, it'll get it fresh in your mind. You can never have too much scripture, right? Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river whose streams made glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes the wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. So I'll be honest, uh, I, I've shared a couple times throughout this series in particular, kind of my process for working on sermons. I write out the, the psalm up on my whiteboard, I underline in certain colors, and I just kind of let it wash over me and meditate on it. And eventually what happens is, you know, a structure comes out or through research, I'll find a certain little point that I can pull out and be like, oh, here's a little bit of insight, a little bit of wisdom that perhaps you hadn't considered. And um, when it comes to this particular psalm, man, I struggled with that. I really did. Uh, all week long, I was struggling to really get my feet underneath me when it came to this psalm. Some of it was I had other things kind of going on in my mind. You know, as I mentioned, yesterday we had our vision and planning meeting, and so that was weighing heavily on my mind, taking up a lot of mental energy. I'm, I'm going out of town next week, so there were some, some ducks I had to get in the row for that. Now, I was really stressing about this sermon. I'm really saying, like, I, I, I can't figure out how to make this 
work, how to really get it to flow well. And I, and I found myself getting really anxious about it. And then I said, you fool, look at the psalm that says, be still and know that he is God. Stop trying to strive to, to come up with something wise and witty yourself, you hypocrite. Instead, just trust that God will speak. And so that's what I'm going to do. So if today's sermon is good, it's all because of God, because I didn't write a good one. That's really what it comes down to. That is what I'm telling you right now. As I finished this, this sermon, I was like, well, uh, it's a sermon. So keep that in mind, people. If, it's, if God's speaking to you, great. Um, but part of the struggle with this, this psalm, as I read through it, is it so similar to some of the other psalms we've discussed. You know, Psalm 121, Psalm 130, Psalm 138. It's this idea of, hey, do you have trouble in your life? Well, trust in God and it's gonna be okay. Like that's kind of the general theme throughout. And, and actually, even just this morning, I heard somebody say it and the response was, well, duh, yeah, trust in God. Yeah, we know, right? And so trying to find kind of a new angle out of this psalm was, I was struggling with it. Though, if we're being honest, Psalm 46, it's not just like, hey, do you have do you have trouble in your life? It's, it's a little more intense than that. It's almost apocalyptic when you look at kind of that setting up of the trouble because it's, it's not just I look up to the hills from where does my help come from, right? It's not just I'm going through a tough time. It's like the mountains fall apart and the earth melts away. Keep in mind, these are people that if you're talking the metaphor of warfare, which they are throughout, um, they're used to swords and shields and arrows, like in our modern times, we, we have actual weaponry that can cause a mountain to collapse, that can cause the earth to melt away. But to them, like that was the most extreme thing that could possibly happen. So it's, it's intended to be almost apocalyptic, to be cataclysmic. And, and so when it's talking about the troubles, it's not just like, oh, you've got a lot of chores to get. No, it's like um, you're, you're lying awake because if we don't make this payment, we're going to lose the house, Right? And so it has this kind of apocalyptic sense. And I think part of the reason that we struggle with the imagery of this particular psalm is we don't really face that immediate mortal peril very often in our modern age, right? You know, there, there aren't people coming at you with swords. I hope not, at least. Um, if you are, like, I, how are you living your life if people are coming at you with swords all the time? Um, you're not carrying a shield, you know, afraid for your life. But... Maybe people aren't coming at you with swords, but maybe they're coming at you with words or um, being judgmental, attacking your reputation. Uh, maybe you don't carry a literal shield, but we certainly all have our defensive coping mechanisms, you know, laughing when we're offended, trying to make jokes uh, when we're uncomfortable. Uh, maybe it's keeping the world at arm's length. Maybe it's, it's a wall that you've built up, that, that you've trained yourself, your parents trained you, that you don't let people see your weaknesses, you don't let them see your emotions. No, no, you don't deal with those things. They stay on this side of the wall. And, and essentially, that's a shield that we use because of the peril of this world. Maybe if we actually take the time and examine this psalm and examine our own lives, maybe it's a little closer to home than we thought, than we allow ourselves to think at times. And so this imagery of warfare, perhaps we understand a little more. But when we look at it, when I look at this psalm closer, part of my struggle um, was there were really just two words that kept coming to my mind. Just two words, rescue and rest. 
And being a preacher, I really wanted to find another RE word because like three is a better number and like RE, that's great. We just had a whole sermon series about RE things, right? And I was like, oh, maybe something about repent or, or rebuild or something, or restore, like that could be in there. And it just, it just coming, kept coming back to those two words, rescue and rest. And then I said, okay, I can work with two words. I'll, I'll break them apart and I'll, I'll kind of break down what each one of those means. But, but then I, I kept finding that they were so closely enmeshed with each other. Rescue and rest. Because if you think about it, for one, we, we all need some sense of rescue and rest, right? We all have something in our lives that we could use rescuing from. It can be something small, like you, you've been on hold for two hours and you want to hand the phone off to somebody else. It could be something big, like the doctor comes in and has that look on his face that, that what he's about to tell you isn't good news. We all have some sense of needing rescue in our lives. And heaven knows we all need some rest. After the past couple of years that we have been through, man, there, yes, there's a pandemic going on of fatigue and exhaustion. I don't know about you guys, but like there are mornings I wake up and I think I could just sleep for a couple more days, give or take. Like I could just keep sleeping would be great. Um, because we're all just like, how many times does somebody say, hey, how you doing? And if you don't respond with that defensive shield of, I'm fine, thanks, how you doing? You know, like that immediate, if you're actually on, most of the time we'll say something to the effect of, oh, I'm so tired, <laughs> just really tired, right? We all are battling that. You're not alone in that. We all have some level of anxiety and some level of exhaustion that's kind of working together. So this idea of rescue and rest, perhaps we all, all need to, to meditate on that a little bit. But as I said, I, I kept finding them intertwined. I kept finding them working together. And I suppose that makes sense because if you, if you consider them on their own, you, you can't really have rest without rescue. Right, If you find yourself laying awake at night, tossing and turning, thinking about all the things that stress you out, right? you've all been there. We all have, if we're being honest. We've all had those nights where just like every to-do list, every stressor, everything on the horizon, every assignment, every project, every relationship that maybe has a little bit of grit of tension in it, it just hits us all night long and we find ourselves having no rest, needing to be rescued. And then on the rescue side of things, uh, sometimes you need to be resting in order to be rescued. Sometimes you need to like stop striving. Sometimes you need to recognize, I can't do this on my own, right? If, if you have any pets and you're trying to like get a burr out of their paw or something and they're like trying to pull back and they're, it's a whole thing, you're like, just, just sit still. Or, or they say like when you're trying to, uh, to save somebody who's drowning that it's actually a very dangerous activity because they're panicking, the person who's drowning, and they're gonna try and like climb to the top of you and push you down, right? And so they actually say to kind of give them some room until they're exhausted, until they have to literally rest. So in order to rest, you have to be rescued. In order to be rescued, you have to rest. And these things kind of work together. And so as we look at Psalm 46, Maybe you don't see that. We see the rest, right? The, the be still and know that I'm God. That's, go to Hobby Lobby. It's on every stinking poster there, right? Be still and know that I'm, maybe you have that in your house. Be still and know that I am God. That's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. But when we really look at it in context, it's perhaps a little less reassuring. It's not like, hey, buddy, just take a little rest. 
It's actually a little bit forceful from God. Like, hey, stop. Sit down. Let me handle this. And what he's handling is the rescue. Let me explain. So as I was kind of working through this, I'm like, man, I'm really trying to find a hook here. Um, I I found a couple commentaries that suggested that, that this psalm was either written by or commissioned by King Hezekiah. This is one of the few that isn't by David right? That doesn't say it's from David. Um, King Hezekiah, who would have come from 2 Kings chapter 19 in specific. This is kind of how it relates to this psalm, is this story. So for some context, King Hezekiah um, was part of the the nation that that represents the people of God, right? At this point, they've kind of split. There's Israel, there's Judah. Um, But he's under attack by the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were the big bads of the time. And here's what you see. A messenger is being sent to Hezekiah, and this is what it says. This is what you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given to the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them? The nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Herezeth, and the people of Eden who were by Tesalar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the Shepherim, the king of Hina, or the king of Ifvah? Basically what this, this messenger is doing is saying, hey, we've conquered everyone else. You can say that your God's going to save you, but their gods didn't. So maybe don't fight back. Maybe just give in to these big bads, the Assyrians. Listen, we've wiped out everybody else and you're next. That's the message that Hezekiah received. Here's how it says he received it. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, that's the messenger, of Sennacherib, who has has been sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Remember last week, the lowercase g gods of this world? When you find a trouble that seems like it's overcoming all of those things, that, that money isn't saving, that your relationship isn't saving, maybe it's because it's devouring the lowercase g gods of your life. But he continues... So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Now, in 2 Kings, it continues on for a good while, while Isaiah does some some profiting stuff. Uh, But then it goes on to this, in verse 35. This is the response to that prayer. And that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all the dead bodies. In other words, the threat that was sitting there for the people of God, this impending destruction that even King Hezekiah is like, yeah, they're the big bads. This is a legit problem, but God, I am bringing it to you. I am laying it out in front of you. 
I am releasing that. Yeah, you knew I'd work in another R-E word. I'm releasing this to you, God. And how does God respond? He rescues them. That's where we see in Psalm 46, the desolations, the breaking of the spear and the chariot. This is God saying this war that you're so concerned about, this this impending trouble, I'm just going to take care of it for you. And when did he do it? While they rested. He did it overnight. And when they arose in the morning, they were already rescued. Let that be the message for us. While we rest, God is rescuing us. While we finally take that moment to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I've been trying for so long. I can't do this on my own. I'm going to lay it out before you, just like King Hezekiah. I'm going to lay it out and say, God, (laughs) I don't know how, but but you're going to have to take care of this for me. God, there are 185 Assyrians sitting outside my house right now, and at least that's how it feels at times. It feels like there is impending destruction And I'm going to lay it down for God. And I'm going to have the faith and the trust to rest, knowing that God will rescue me. I'm reminded of the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He he has this anguish because he knows what's coming. He knows what's coming on Golgotha. He knows what's coming on the cross. He knows what's about to happen. And he, he's up all night. It says that his sweat actually turned to blood. He had so much anguish and anxiety about this. But what were his disciples doing? They were a little drowsy, a little sleepy, having a little napsy doodle. Because for them, they were being rescued. They found rest in the fact that Jesus was rescuing them, not just from that temporal situation, but for all time. That's what we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are rescued eternally, that we are given entry into heaven free from our sin, free from our mistakes, free from from all the things, all these, these troubles that we've built up in our lives, free from that we are given entry into heaven through Jesus Christ. But even in this world, we can trust that God will rescue us, that God will see us through it, that God will care for us and bring the best out of any situation. We can find rest in that, find rest in the fact that we will be rescued. Now, I wish that I had some some nice quip here at the end, some little story to kind of bring it all together and button the whole thing up, you know, bring it around to the beginning. I don't. But what I can say is this, rest and rescue. It's what God provides. If we have the courage to trust in him, rest and rescue. Be still. And know that he is God. Amen.